want to first start off Bible class by saying that today is a very, very special day. It's an extremely uh, special day. If it's not marked on your calendars, you need to mark it going forward uh, so that you can understand the uh, the importance of the day. This is the day that uh, Mickey Mouse was presented to the world. Yeah. And um, in 1928, uh, Oswald the Rabbit debuted. Uh, which was the predecessor to Mickey Mouse. You can see looks a lot like him, just uh, much floppier ears. So, uh, yes, you uh, keep that in mind. Uh, it is a very special day. It's also a very special day because this is the day that almost perfect people were born. Um, yeah, the, this is the day that almost perfect people uh, were brought into the world. So not only did uh, Mickey Mouse come into the world, but our own sister Gianna came into uh, the world today. Now she's not perfect. She's not perfect, but really, 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 really close. And I'm an expert on people being really, really close to being perfect uh, because today is also my birthday. So yeah, ha happy birthday uh, to all of those who are really, really close to being perfect. Uh, that that guy's blessed uh, to do that. So uh, just uh, because of that, uh, you know, if you feel uh, led to give my uh, cash app is there, I ain't too proud to beg. It's my cash app. Uh, no, no I'm, I'm joking. That is not my cash app. Uh, nor am I seeking anything. If you if you, you feel led to do anything, uh, give to uh, the church on today in my behalf. But yeah, no, that, I, this is for um, for an example that we'll get into very soon gotta be all right so let us read luke chapter 16 starting with verses one so verse one says he also said to his disciples there was a certain rich man who had a steward and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods so he called him and said to him what is this i hear about Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. So, in other words, as um, uh, a term our president made famous, like you're fired, you're fired. So, bring me all the books. Let me see what you've been doing, because I've heard you've not been doing what you need to do. And you can't do what you're doing anymore, not for me. So the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig and I'm ashamed to beg. Hence the ain't too proud to beg uh, that I put on the previous slide. I was going somewhere with that. Aha, uh aha, -huh. uh -huh. we were going somewhere with that. All right. So I resolved what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So pretty much he's saying, you know, I, I know what to do. I know what I can do so that when I lose this, I'll have somewhere to go. Just saying, going back and, and reading over this a bit more. Um, the or I should say it's very important as you are reading. Hold on, I got a oh. Oh, these birthday wishes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, 
it's very important that as we are reading the Bible, that we're paying attention to who the speaker is speaking to. There's a lot of confusion that has uh, come about within the church because we haven't paid close attention to whom the speaker was speaking to because that gives a, a different context regarding the things that have been said. Uh, so uh, just really quickly, uh, since we're chatting, who was uh, Jesus speaking to? We know it's Jesus because it's in red letters. Uh, so who was Jesus speaking to in this passage? Just uh, throw it into the chat. see who Jesus was speaking to uh, to his disciples absolutely Elder Neil that's correct says it uh, right here in, in the black so he said to his disciples now we will see as we go through and continue to read that they weren't alone but this that he was saying he was saying it specifically to the disciples alright um Next slide and read again. So verses five through seven. So he called everyone his master's debtors. This is the the wicked steward. He called every one of his master's debtors and said to him, to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, take your bill and sit down and quickly write 50. Then he said to another, how much do I owe you? So he said, a hundred measures. I'm sorry. How much do you owe? So he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So pretty much what he was doing was playing. Let's make a deal with the people that owed his master to reduce their debts. When we look at it in today's um, numbers, just just for example, this says 100 measures of oil, which is anywhere between based on uh, the reading I've done, 800 to 900 gallons of oil. Uh, And this is olive oil. Now, I went and looked for uh, some olive oil to see how much per gallon uh, it was. And the least expensive I could find, and this is just for pure oil. This wasn't for uh, extra virgin. Extra virgin can get expensive. It can go from 50, approximately 50 to $80 a gallon for extra virgin olive oil. But just for pure oil, the least expensive I could find was about $20 a gallon. So if you take that $20 uh, a gallon, you multiply it by uh, $800, you're looking at about $16,000 worth of goods that the first person he spoke to owed to the master. You think they might be kind of happy to know that instead of paying $16,000, they only have to pay $8,000? Yeah, I, I, I would be happy. I, I've got a, uh, got a car loan. Cut that in half, please. And whoever cut that in half, I'm probably going to look very favorably upon. He did the same thing uh, with the other. This, uh, these measures of wheat 
uh, the 100 measures is about a thousand bushels of wheat. Uh, and uh, from what I can find, you can get a bushel of wheat for about $5. So, you know, take 20%. So a thousand dollars off of five. Yeah, wh whoever saved me that, I will probably uh, be willing to help them in their time of need because of the help that they provided me, even though I didn't need it per se. You know, I owed it. Now I don't owe it. Yeah, I, I'm going to be uh, much more inclined uh, to be kind to the person who did that. Right, so uh, verses 8 through 10. So the master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd than in their generation than the sons of life. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, you may receive to you, hold on, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in much. And I said that the uh, that the unjust steward dealt shrewdly and that the sons of this world are more shrewd uh, in their generation. So in their time, uh, the, the sons of the world, the people that are in the world are more shrewd. They're more cunning. Uh, they they uh, are much more wise in their dealings than the sons of light. I mean, you think about it. Uh, you go into the workplace and uh, you hear uh, the sons of the world talking about their uh, investments or uh, their side businesses and things of that nature. Um, you don't hear a lot of that among the, the sons of life. So they're using the things that they have to be a benefit. Money in and of itself is not evil. It's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. It doesn't even say that the love of money is evil. It says it's the root of all evil. And we know that the world loves money. They talk about it all the time. Nearly everything that's being done is being done uh, for the purpose of uh, getting money and or the benefits that go along with having So we need to look to use the money, the resources that we have to benefit the kingdom of God. We need to use it to try to win souls as verse 9 uh, is stating uh, using the unrighteous mammon so that it says when you fail now if you read it in some different versions it says when it fails uh, but when the you fail also is applicable uh, with uh, you, your life failing and your physical life failing, your life here on earth failing and moving on into glory. But money fails. It will fail. It won't be there always. Um, you know, it, it comes and it goes and there'll be a time where money will be useless. So when it fails, if we use it properly, those that we use it to benefit can receive us into an everlasting home, a home that does not fail because we've used the resources and things that we have to uplift and build the kingdom of God. It could be as simple as uh, buying someone a meal 
and and showing the love of God by doing that. You know, it could be you know getting some some shoes for a child who who needs them, or you know, clothes or, or things of that nature, and showing forth the love of God, and that just opening the door for you to speak to them more so about what God has done. Also goes on to talk about uh, whoever is faithful uh, in little, it will be faithful in much. And likewise, uh, if you're unjust in little, you'll be unjust in much as well. How many people want more money? And anybody? Nobody? Somebody? I know I, I, I would like to have uh, some more money, but in doing so and in wanting that, We've got to use what we have. So the Bible tells us if you want more of it, do well with what you have. The better you do with the little you have, the more that will be given to you to utilize. So let us strive to be faithful in uh, how we handle the things that are in our hands. Uh, it makes me think of when uh, Moses and uh, the Lord were talking at the burning bush, like, you know, well, what, what do I do? He asked him, well, what's in your hand? How, how can I go and speak to Pharaoh? What's in your hand? It was, it was a staff. What's in your hand? What do you have that you could possibly use? All right, let's continue on. Let me see, I see a chat here. All right. So, verses 11 to 13. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches so who's it even how we deal with money and with the resources and things that, that god has given us here it dictates how he will give to us the things of god to handle and deal with so it is really important that we are wise and faithful stewards with whatever it is that god has given us all right verse 12 and if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you your own? So part of getting your own means handling other people's things well. What are we doing with our time and our talents in the workplace? Are we handling our time and our talents properly and the, and the things that we've been given in the workplace the right way so that we can have some things of our own? All right, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and man so yeah, you can't serve two masters it is impossible to serve two masters uh, there was a television show that really um really shined a light on the uh, the impossibility of doing this and, and the impact of it. It's called scandal. Yeah, we know that the president loved him some Olivia Pope. Even though he was married to Millie, he loved Olivia. And that's really where his heart was. Many times in, in scripture, it speaks about the children of Israel going after idols and them being an adulterous nation. When we are not looking to serve the Lord, we're going after other things. We're in an adulterous relationship. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and your flesh. You cannot serve 
God and uh, serve the 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 the, uh, the pleasures of this life. It's impossible. It's going to be an adulterous relationship, and we know based on scandal that the side piece is the one that gets all the attention, all the resources, all the affections. You know, you, you, he was sticking to the marriage for its benefits. So often we serve God the same way. You know, well, you know, I want to be blessed. And of course, it looks good to say, you know, that I'm a Christian. So, you know, I'm going to uh, I'm going to stick with him for, you know, these benefits of of serving him. But my heart is really after this other thing. It's a marriage of convenience and it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's impossible. It's impossible. And it's it's wrong. And we oftentimes uh, will treat God like that. OK, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to go back over here for the benefits. But I got some trouble. And then as soon as that's done, then I'm going to go kick it with my side piece. Can't serve two masters. All right. Just as a question. Uh, also to everyone and you don't have to answer this uh, you, know, you don't have to put anything in the chat but I just really really want us all to think about and examine what are we doing with the resources that we've been entrusted think about that think about the resources that you have you know maybe much may not be much you may not know how much it is or really value what it is but just think about the things you have and you've been entrusted with. Are we wasting these resources, including our time? Are we wasting these resources or are we wisely investing? All right, let's go. Luke uh, 16, 14 through 15. So uh, now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard these things and they derided him. So uh, they were uh, giving Jesus the business because they heard these things. They were lovers of money. It was like, huh, you know, feeling all um, uh, out of sorts and, and uh, upset. It's like, oh, you know, you're talking all this stuff about us. You don't know what you're talking about. That, you know, you don't even have anywhere to live. Just, you know, deriding him, talking really badly about him because though he was speaking to his disciples, it really hit them where they live because they were lovers of money. All right, verse 15 says, And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your heart. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So what, uh, what you value what you esteem highly is really an abomination. That that word abomination there, when you look at it um, in the Greek, it's it's speaking of the the action that takes place when someone smells something that isn't good. You know, I, I don't know about you all, but uh, there have been you know different types of things you'll see you'll smell something like, oh Lord, what is that? You, your immediate reaction is to get away from whatever that thing is that's what an abomination is uh, to God it's something that's so detestable that's so wretched that that's so horrible that the the immediate response is to recoil away from it and that's what he's saying here that uh, 
what you highly esteem and those you highly esteem is an abomination in the sight of God. Now, these people were justifying themselves. You know, he said, he, he, you know, says to them, you uh, who justify yourself, how are they justifying themselves? They're justifying themselves by making light of their things. Oh, you know, well, this, this is all right. And you, you know, they're making excuses for the things that they're doing so that they can do what they want to do versus serving God. They're making themselves right. Remember um, a time or so ago where I taught and I showed the whitewashed uh, sarcophagi. Those are the, uh, the places where human remains were housed after they died. On the outside, they were white and, and looked really pristine, but on the inside, you have dead men's bones. You have men that have died and are now decomposing and, and stinky and nasty and just absolutely horrible. You got the worms and stuff happening. All that stuff is on the inside. Even though on the outside, they look wonderful. And likewise with these uh, Pharisees, on the outside, they look wonderful. You know, men were singing their praises and, oh, you're so, uh, you know, great. And you, you're so, you know, holy, such a, a great uh, man of God and, and how you handle yourself. Just because people are singing your praises doesn't mean that what you're doing is right. It doesn't mean that God is pleased with what you're doing. Even though you may be doing those things for God, or let me not even say for God, usually that's not the case. Even though you're doing those things and they seem godly and they can bless someone else, doesn't make you right with God. Gotta check your heart. You have to check uh, your motives. Wonderful works of God does not equal his approval. And it did cause our mind to think of uh, Matthew chapter uh, 22 uh, 27, where it says, you know, Lord, Lord, or many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Uh, and in your name did we not perform uh, many miracles? In your name did we not drive out demons? So if they're using the name of the Lord to drive out demons. And there's no way you can drive out demons in the name of the Lord without the Lord doing it. We know that uh, from, uh, I want to say the seven sons of Sceva, who uh, said in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, like, Jesus I know, Paul I know, I don't know you. And those demons turned on uh, on those individuals. So for you to be using the name of the Lord, the Lord has to give you the ability uh, to do that. But just because you're doing that doesn't mean you're in right standing. So the Lord goes on to say, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of, ine of iniquity. Get away from me, evildoers. Get away. So again, just because you're doing the things of God and doing good things doesn't mean that God is with you and or uh, sanctioning your relationship with him. Uh, it, it's it's a horrible situation, but it happens quite often where uh, you have people in and around church and they're doing all these different things, but their hearts are far from God. Um, and what they're doing is not gaining them any credit. Uh, the Lord can use them and can use it to be a blessing to his kingdom. 
but it's important that you've got your things together and in order with God. Proverbs 21 2 tells us that every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. That's why it's so important that we don't look to justify ourselves, to justify our actions, but we need to line them up with the word of God to ensure that whatever it is that we're doing, that it's in line with his desires and uh, that we are doing what's pleasing in his sight. All right, uh, let's go on uh, 16 through 18. Uh, so 16, the law and the prophets were unt until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. So it's just saying that, uh, you know, in the beginning, you had the law and the prophets. Then you had John speaking and preparing the way of the Lord and preaching repentance. Now you have the Messiah who's coming and speaking and preaching unto you. Um, Let, let, let's continue. Verse 17. And it was easier for heaven and earth, or it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away, than for one tittle of the lot of faith. Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced from her husband commits adultery. Just going back to verse 17, the term um, that he's using here, or I should say the, the terminology he's using here, he also uses in Matthew chapter 15, verses 17 through 18, which says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it is accomplished. So in the, the scripture that I just read to you in Matthew, yes, we know that the law and the prophets were there. And then John came and spoke and he's saying, look, I I'm not here to get rid of the law and the prophets. I'm here to fulfill what the law and the prophets have said. Everything that's happened up to this point has been building to my coming, has been building to uh, my providing deliverance, has been building to my doing what I was designed to do before the foundation of the world. I'm not here to get rid of the law. I'm here to fulfill the law because you cannot do so. And Again, based on the readings that I have uh, done, I've read it in a couple different versions, which was great. And I encourage anyone as you are studying uh, the Bible, if you're reading something and it's not quite not quite clear to you, try reading it in at least four different versions, because that can help with providing some clarity regarding what you were reading. And just based on what I was reading, uh, seems as if the insertion of this portion about uh, divorce is just a way of him saying hey here's a law and this law will not fail 
this law will come to pass and I'm here to fulfill you know the law you all have kind of treated things differently you know you you divorce them because you don't like the way that they cook uh you divorce him because uh, he always leaving his socks it's like okay that that's frivolous that's not anything that I have listed as a means of divorce and if you divorce and you go marry another you're now committing adultery it doesn't matter what um, you know everyone else says or does you know again this is just one of the laws that he used as an example of things that have to be fulfilled because I don't know about you all but it just kind of, kind of seems out of place and we're talking about uh, you know this wise or unwise steward then you know he's talking about being wise about the things of the world and then he's talking about the love of money and then all of a sudden it comes to force like uh that seems like out of left field but again uh, just kind of based on things that i've been going over seems like it's there just to provide an example of the law and how the law must come to pass all right verses 19 through 21. So there was a certain rich man. So we're going into uh, the last portion of this chapter. Uh, and again, we're dealing with a rich man. Uh, if you remember in verse one, we were also dealing with a rich man, a rich man who had the steward. And then in verse 15, I was talking about how we utilize money. And now here we go again with another rich man. Um, so just kind of keep in mind that all of the things that we have gone over today or that are in this specific passage of scripture, uh, for the most part, is dealing with money. So just kind of keep that in mind. We'll uh, delve into that a bit further as we go on. All right. Um, verse 19, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. So he was eating good every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Now, as we go through and we study the word of God and we study the things that Jesus has said specifically, when he's speaking of these different situations and scenarios, it's always, um, it, or I should say, you, you always see a disclaimer that this is a parable, you know, the, the parable of this, the parable of that, even the, the one that uh, we just read about the, the rich man uh, and the unwise, uh, unscrupulous servant. It, it was stated, okay, there's a parable. This was not distinguished as such. Did not say that this was a parable. And not only does it not say it's a parable, it goes on to name one of the people. So the person's name is Lazarus. This is not the Lazarus of Bethany that was raised from the dead by Jesus. Uh, this is another man named Lazarus, just like uh, the name Jesus is not uh, unique to J 
Jesus the Christ. There were Jesus before he, you know, and there are a number of people named Jesus today, especially within uh, the uh, the Latin community. A whole bunch of Jesuses. So again, this Lazarus is not the same Lazarus that um, that we know of in Bethany, the brother of Mary. The man was clothed, as it says, in purple and fine linen. Like I said, he ate real good every day. For most people, you know, they had some bread and some water, you know, which we think of kind of like as, as prison food now. But you know, they had bread and water; they were good. No, he he was eating meat and he was eating really, really good every day. The fact that he was clothed in purple is very, very important because purple. Or I should say to be clothed in purple meant that you had some resources, you had some money. Says if he was a rich man, this further proves uh, his his wealth. Back then, purple was a very, very, very expensive color to come by. Part of it was just because of the process that it took to create the purple dye. They would have to take 250,000 that's right thousand 250,000 mollusk to create one ounce of purple dye just one ounce 250,000 mollusk for one ounce the fine linen that he wore is something that generally was only worn by the king or the queen or the people of their court because linen uh, was very expensive uh, and it was very valuable because it let air come through it breathed better than the things that most people wore and in that hot portion of the world you needed something that was breathable alright so the, these are all things that, that speak to uh, the riches that this man had now let's contrast that with Lazarus. He was a beggar, uh, unlike the uh, the unscrupulous steward. Uh, Lazarus was not too proud to beg. He he could beg. He wasn't ashamed of begging. Or if he was, he got over that shame because he had no other way of providing for himself because of his physical state. You know, he had sores all over his body. And just really couldn't do anything because of the, the the pain and the discomfort of his physical state. Not only did he have those things, as, as it sh shows here, and this was a common uh, practice back then, but he was laid at the gate. You, know, you think about the the man who was laid at the gate, beautiful. He Lazarus couldn't even get there on his own to beg. Somebody had to take him there daily for him to beg people to provide him what he needed in order to live. Now, he was desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. You remember the story in Matthew uh, 15 where the Canaanite woman uh, from the Tyre and Sidon region was asking Jesus to heal her daughter. And he was like, look, I've, I'm here for uh, the Jews, you know, I, I, and it's not good to, or it's not me, to give the children's bread to the dogs. So he was uh, low-key shading her for asking and because he wasn't there for 
the Gentiles at that time. You know, she's like, hey, even the uh, the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. He's like, okay, all right, I see. You, you know, your, your faith is 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 strong, and I, I like I like how you move. And so he healed uh, her daughter. Again, he she's saying that the dogs eat what falls from the table, and Lazarus longed to have even even though he was begging and trying to get a little bit of something he would have been happy to get the scraps that fell off the table if any of y'all have ever had all right yes that that you're so right um logan yes i'm trying to find you to, to mute you uh but okay we got it yes logan thank you Thing. you know y'all know Logan's a preacher so you know sometimes she um uh, she feels the need to uh, to take the mic and to share with us uh, what the Lord has given her uh, unfortunately we can't understand it right now but oh that was oh uh, that was Dakota all right all right another another little preacher okay so uh, it's it's quite all right it's it's quite all right but yeah uh, thank you Dakota thank you so much all right um. You know, she that that dog speak was, was speaking to. Her. I don't know. Maybe uh, if y'all don't have a dog, maybe uh, uh, that was her way of saying we look. We, we need to have uh, need to have some, a dog around here for you to play with. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> back to what uh, we were saying. Um, he just wanted the scraps of fell from the table. If you had a dog, uh, you know, you you drop a little bit of something, it, it's gone. You know, your dog's not supposed to have, it, but it's got it. And he just wanted what fell from the table. But he didn't even have that. And he went from wanting dog food to kind of being dog food. The dogs were licking him and licking his sores. Now, dogs lick their own sores. They lick their wounds. You know, we, we hear the term licking your wounds. Uh, dogs, cats, uh, other animals will lick their wounds often because there's an enzyme within their saliva that um, accelerates blood clotting so it helps with blood clotting so a lot of times when you see a dog licking their wounds or animal licking their wounds that's the reason that they're doing it so they could have been doing that to him uh the lord could have sent them to him to help him with the issue you know but let's not forget that uh, i want to say it's earlier this year late last year there was a man who became a double amputee because his dog licked him and uh, there was some bacteria within it that caused sepsis in his body so he lost both of his legs part of his nose because the dog was licked i mean and even if it does help uh, or i should say because the dog licked him even if it does help i'm sure it's extremely uncomfortable to have uh, your sores that are, are, are aching and, and paining you licked by animals. You know, so he, he went from wanting dog's food to kind of becoming dog's food. All right, let's continue to read. Uh, verse 22. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Again, uh, I think I hadn't talked about this before, but 
you know, the Bible says that the first should be last and the last should be first. So here's this rich man who had it all during life and is being tormented where this poor beggar now is uh, in peace and in paradise being in Abraham's bosom. Right, verse 24, then he carried, I'm sorry, cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. So this rich man is asking for just a drop of water. Just, just let him dip his, his finger in the water and drop it on the tip of, of, of my tongue so that I may be refreshed so that I can have a little bit of respite in this tournament. I don't know about you all, but uh, a drop doesn't seem like much. I, I've got uh, my cup here and I got a straw and, and just as a exercise, I want you all, I'm sure you all don't have cups or you may not have a cup in the straw right now. If you do, you can try this. Uh, if not, next time you do, I want you to try this. Just as you're taking a sip, just let that one sip hit your tongue. Just I, I, And that's hard to do. Just one little bitty drop of whatever. And that, that wasn't enough. I took about two, three, and I still want more. But he's being tormented so badly that he's asking for just a drop of water. That's how bad it is. And this is just hell. We have to remember that hell and the devil will be thrown into the lake of fire. So this, this is just the first portion of torment. It gets worse after this. So, you know, ju just uh, for context, we got the rich man um, now begging. Now, Lazarus was laying at his gate begging daily. Now the rich man is begging for Lazarus to provide some mercy to him. Something that, that really just kind of stuck out to me about this was, okay, you are in, the rich man is in torment. And he's able to see over into Abraham's bosom. And he sees Abraham, he sees Lazarus, he sees everyone over there. And he's asking for Lazarus to come. Why Lazarus? Now, maybe it was because of his knowledge of Lazarus and having a relationship before being in this state. You know, it's like, okay, just for familiarity's sake, can you send Lazarus since I know him? But that's mighty big of you. You know, yes, I do want to be uh, relieved from the things I'm going through. Can you send Lazarus from paradise in your bosom to hell with a drop of water for me? That's kind of big. That's kind of big, and I don't know if maybe uh, he was saying this be because, again, he knew Lazarus and or because he still had a, a lower view of Lazarus. Well, Lazarus could do it. No, he was just a beggar. So, you know, if anybody can kind of get through this and get back in, you know, Lazarus might be able to do that. But, you know, th what this is really showing is it doesn't matter what your status is on earth. It just, when you get to eternity all that stuff really uh, doesn't matter 
it really doesn't matter. But yeah, I just thought I was like, that's kind of big of you. Although, again, it could just be because you knew Lazarus. So let's continue to read on. Uh, 25 through 26. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things. And likewise, Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass here to you cannot, nor can those uh, from there pass to us. So, you know, if we just kind of go back to chapter six of Luke, um, it has this to say about the, the rich and the poor. Uh, Luke 6.24 uh, through uh, 26 says, But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Abraham was saying, that, hey, look, you got good things when you were on earth. You, you have your portion here on earth. Verse 25 of, of uh, Luke 6. Woe to you who are now uh, woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Now remember the statements earlier that uh, we made about men praising uh, others when speaking about the, uh, the Pharisees. Just because... Um, that's happening doesn't mean that God doesn't still hate uh, your actions and, and your different things. Um, again, in, in this world, you you may see people quote unquote winning, but winning here doesn't really matter because again, heaven and earth are going to pass away. Are you going to win when it really matters? Are you going to win when the trumpet sounds and uh, the game is over? That's where winning matters most. And the things we do here determine whether we'll win in the end. Do you want the, the comfort here? Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we shouldn't have anything here uh, because the Lord is not saying that. And, you know, it speaks about uh, us utilizing things and, and having more to utilize. So not saying that you shouldn't have absolutely anything here. But where do you want your rest? Do you want it here on earth or do you want it for eternity? Are you using the things that could bring about the rest for you in eternity and just using that to provide rest here and not thinking about the future? How are you using the resources that you have? Now, in verse 26, uh, just reading it in different versions, uh, the word here for gulf uh, can read as a chasm. So this huge ravine, impassable ravine, where it's impossible for Lazarus or anyone else to fulfill the request of the rich man because of the, this great uh, divide between them. Uh, evil and, or I should say, sin cannot exist in the presence of God. And Abraham's bosom, again, is what we would consider heaven. You know, the new heaven and new earth will be created uh, after uh, the world is done away with. Uh, so just like hell will be thrown into the lake of fire, there's a new heaven and earth that we will experience as well. Uh, but Abraham's bosom is being spoken here is what 
we would think of now as heaven, which is called paradise. Great chasm between them because sin can't exist where God is. All right. Uh, last bit of things and we'll be done. Luke 16, 27 through 30. Uh, then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them also. Uh, lest they also come, or I should say, he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. So, in reading this a little further, it seems as if he may continue to be asking for Lazarus because of his knowledge of him versus uh, because of him not esteeming him in as high of an estate as he may esteem someone else. Right, verse 29, Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets. And we remember we were along the prophets not too long ago, so uh, Abraham is saying to him that they have those things, they have the law and the prophets, which again speaks to the fact that this Lazarus is not uh, the Lazarus of Bethany because he's speaking about Moses and the prophets, not the things that are being said uh, currently, not John and not the words being preached by Jesus and his disciples. They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they'll repent. Okay, the, the word of God is not just some nice suggestions. Again, um, Abraham saying, hey, look, they've got Moses and the prophets. They've got the things needed uh, in order to come out. They just need to pay attention to them. Likewise, we need to give full attention to the word of God. The Lord has given it to us so that we can live by it. It tells us not just of his power and his deeds, but of his desire to see us free from sin. And it gives us direction on how to do that. Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 4 says, A wicked and perverse generation looks for a sign. And that's what the rich man was doing. Send him as a sign uh, of things to come. No, uh, the word of God is a miraculous sign. Look for that. Look for, for the, the little things that God is already doing and paying attention to how valuable what he has already done and what he's already provided us is. You know, it's just like when you're driving on the highway, you know, you, if you miss the sign because you're not paying attention, that's going to make your trip longer uh, because you have to turn around and come back, you know, or you may not make it at all, just depending on what happens. We have to pay attention to the signs that the Lord has given us. All right. Verse 31. And we'll be bringing this to a close. But he said to him. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. So if they're not listening to Moses and the prophets, if you're not listening to the things that I've already provided to you, you're not going to listen to one riding, rising from the dead. This is yet another allusion to Christ. Uh, if you don't believe the word of God, then how are you going to believe the word of God made flesh? If you don't believe in what I'm saying, then you can't believe 
in the resurrected one who comes to save the world. Faith is the foundation of our relationship with God. We can see him do the miraculous in this county, but we've got to have faith. And that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's so important that we pay attention to besides these things that he is giving us through his word, because that's where the miraculous can come from. The Bible says that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And in Hebrews chapter 11 also reminds that without faith, it's impossible to please. We must have faith. And for he who comes to God must believe that he is. We got to believe that he is who he said he is. And again, we learn and develop this foundation of faith through the word of God. All right. So in conclusion, we are all stewards of what we have in our hands. What are you doing with what you have in your hands? What are you doing with the resources that God has already given you? What is your relationship like with money? We talked about money throughout this from uh, beginning to the end. We cannot serve two masters. We can't serve God and money. We can't serve God and our flesh. Our status on earth can impact us internally based on how we wield the influence that we have, the resources that we have. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Uh, it's better that we do what we can with what we have or I should say the better that we do with what we have the more we will be given to stewards so keep that in mind and use the wealth of this world to win souls so again really examine yourself ask yourself what do I have am I using it wisely am I wasting it you know am I using it to win souls am I worshipping you with the things that you give you know, the account of Lazarus and the rich man was a great parallel uh, to uh, the beginning where it was the, the unfaithful servant and then he started using his things wisely and uh, it opened up doors for him. The rich man, yeah, he had all that stuff, but he didn't use the things that he had wisely and he wasn't, he could have used it to help Lazarus. He could have used it to, to be of of service to God and to focus on him versus focusing on the money and Lazarus could have welcomed him into Abraham's bosom versus him being in torment if his focus was where it needed to be and where it should have been again let, let us be mindful of what we have in our hands and how we can use that to glorify God it's not ours anyway like the steward that's all we are we're stewards of this when we're gone, it goes on to someone else's student. All right, God bless you all. Wow, I'm over by two minutes. Please do.